Well, good morning. It's so good to see y'all. We are glad that you're here. We're so glad and honored that you've decided to make Liberty Church literally your destination this morning. Uh, and you come on an awesome morning because we're kicking off a new series uh, titled, What Moves You? This morning. So I, I'm excited. I feel like this is going to be a very, uh, has an opportunity to be a very powerful message. We are going to be talking about all the things that move us uh, and, and really getting focused on staying on the path that God has for us. Because, y'all, when we, when we stay connected to Him, when we, when we get connected to Him, we get plugged into who Jesus is, y'all, He's, he's going to move us. You hear me say it all the time, God moves us by first moving us on the inside, by, by changing my heart. And when God changes my heart, man, I see the world differently. And now I'm going to move by faith. I'm going to start doing things for the kingdom. Amen. And so you got to know as we kick this off this morning that God wants to move us, okay? He really does. He wants his people to expand his kingdom and love on his people. And so he wants to move us and bring us from glory to glory. But you got to know that there is a real enemy, the devil, who roars around like a lion, right? Seeking what she can kill, steal, and destroy. Y'all, and he wants to move us too. So God wants to move us, and the, anim- the enemy, the devil, wants to move us also. And so I'm excited because there's a dynamic to this message uh, that the Lord really showed me. And so the, 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 the Lord moves us in, in certain ways, and the enemy moves us in certain ways. And really the enemy perverts what God is trying to do. So the enemy moves us by, by driving us, by forcing us under pressure he wants to move us by the pressure and the trials that I go through from life that life has to throw at me and God moves us y'all God he leads us by his purpose so this is the dynamic from this message y'all we can be driven by the pressure that I feel and experience on a daily basis Y'all, you know we have to deal with pressure. But God wants us to respond in the appropriate way. So I can, I can be driven and frustrated and angry by the pressure that I constantly feel and, and moved off the path that God has for me, or I can be led by the purpose of God. And when I'm led by His purpose, God wins. And so that's what it comes down to. It comes down to pressure versus purpose. The Holy Spirit gave this to me. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and uh, I'm going to share this nugget. It's going to be for you this morning. We experience pressure because we have purpose. And that's why the enemy perverts the purpose of God in your life because of the pressure. And, and we have experienced pressure because we have purpose. And God wants us to come out on the other side of that, amen? And, and he calls us and equips us to do just that. So I want to, uh, let's dive in and look at our first scripture that we're going to use. We're going to, we're going to, we always give you a lot of scriptures, but we're going to have a lot of extra scripture this morning, so we're going to try and get it through it all. Uh, and some of these scriptures this morning are scriptures that aren't used all the time, they kind of get overlooked. And so we find this scripture out of Acts 20, 18, 18 through 24, uh, and this is Paul, and he's speaking to some folks. Uh, and right there at verse 18, it says, And when they came to him, he said to them, 
You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to be uh, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, the repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit keeps testifying in every city, saying that only chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things, there it is, move me. Somebody say, move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let's look at that first point. So what moves you? Are your decisions and direction being driven by pressure or being led by the Spirit? So as we read this scripture, <clears throat> Paul says, he's telling these folks that, you know, I, I, I've preached truth, I, I've, I, I've, I've shared Jesus with you, uh, and, and, and I love Jesus with all my heart, and that's what I'm going to do. And he says, even though the, the Holy Spirit, and if you read through Acts, it would, Paul would go to the next city and somebody would come to him and say, you, you know, Chains await you, death may await you, and, and even though Paul was getting those words, it didn't move him from the path and purpose that God had for him. He says, I wanted to finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So he was not being driven by the pressure of uh, of what the enemy was trying to throw at him. He was being led by the purpose that God had for his life. And so there's many motivating factors that move us. Pain, fear, frustration, doubt, faith, I hope is number one. <laughs> so all these things factor into the things that make me live the way that I live, the choices that I make, the decisions that I make, the thoughts that I have. And sometimes we need to slow down, stop, take a breath, and actually ask God, God, how did I get here? How did I get here? Because life can get crazy. And if I'm bouncing around, not being led by the Spirit of God, but being driven by pressures of life and the pressure that I feel, I've probably made some decisions uh, out of offense. I've, I've lived my life in an unforgiving way. I, I've lived my life in an unloving way. And so decision after decision after decision, now I'm off the beaten path. And I'm frustrated and angry, and I, I say I'm living by faith, but really I don't know how I got here. And it's so important that we need to slow down and say, God, how did I get here? Was I driven by pressure, or was I led by your spirit? It's kind of like this story I want to share with us this morning. 
the story of uh, that this tourist, uh, he loved, loved to sightsee and he traveled the world and he was off in a far distant country uh, one day and he was out taking pictures, sightseeing, enjoying everything and uh, he, he was out in, uh, out in the country, he was a good old country boy, you know, from Holly Pond and uh, so he was enjoying the country and uh, he looked out in the distance and he saw a flock of sheep, that was nothing abnormal, he, he knew what a flock of sheep looked like, but the thing that, that uh, jumped out to him was there was a man behind the flock of sheep with a bullwhip driving the flock of sheep through the field to get it from point A to point B. And he was a good old country boy and he scratched his head and he knew that you're not supposed to drive sheep. Sheep are led by their shepherd. And so he goes out to the field and he, he says, excuse me, sir, he said, I, uh, you know, I've never seen somebody drive their flock of sheep like you're doing. Uh, and, the, and the gentleman says, yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty smart. You, you picked up on some things. And he said, that is very true what you said. He said, but where you've lost it is, see, I'm not the shepherd to the sheep. Uh, I'm the butcher. Uh, and I'm driving this sheep to the slaughterhouse. And this is why we have to slow down and ask God, how did I get here? Because the enemy could be driving you to your death. Through your stubbornness, through your, your unfaithfulness, through your, through your blinders, through your, the things you're not listening and seeing, what God is trying to say. And you could be being driven by the devil to your death. So we, it's very important that we are being moved by the purpose of God and not by the pressure that is trying to drive us. Amen? So let's look at that, that first point, or the next point. Sorry. So th uh, today, y'all, we're going to unmask the scheme of the enemy in your life. We're going we're gonna to go over three main uh, points of pressure that the enemy tries us to use to, to, to drive us, to move us off the path that God has for us, to dictate our lives. Uh, and then next week, we are going to give you four ways that the Lord leads us by his purpose. Amen? So we're going to unmask what the enemy's trying to do in your life today, and then next week, we're going to equip you uh, to be even stronger. Amen? So there's three, there's three main types of pressure that the enemy uses uh, to pressure us. Pressure of man the pressure of temptation, and the pressure of circumstances, okay? So we're going to look at each of these this morning. So that first one that we're going to look at, the pressure of people. The pressure, this pressure comes from deception, evil intentions, uh, and compassion. Uh, let's read Luke 6, 39. It says, Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? And so, people who are driven by pressure, pressure-driven people, are just like blind people in this scripture. Blind people can't lead other blind people, right? As Jesus just illustrated for us. And if we're all being driven, motivated by the pressures of this life, then we're all deceived, leading other deceived people. You know, and this is exactly why the world is the way that it is. Because we are a pressure-driven society, are we not? You know, Pastor Stephen Furtick says this all the time, the, 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 there's a pressure to perform in our society, especially even within the church. 
but we have pressure to perform at our workplaces, pressure to perform uh, for our families, and there is a real pressure. But if I succumb to that pressure because I'm not relying or leaning on God that much more to help get me through, then y'all, I can begin to make some bad, bad mistakes. And, and, and also when I do that, I'm contributing to, to, to that continual uh, blind society to reproduce itself over and over and over again. And so we can't succumb to that, that pressure of, of, of pleasing people. Y'all, I feel like that's one of the biggest fears that, this, that we're, we're, we're moving into as a society and as a country. The, the, the fear of pleasing people. Everywhere I go, I have to, I have to be a certain way. And I, I hope every person I encounter and come in contact with, you know, goes great. And I live my life based on how I think they perceive who I am. And God wants you to just be you. He's created you to be you. And when we see that and recognize that, y'all, we are led by the purpose of God. But when I give in and succumb to that pressure, now I'm being led astray by the spirit of the world, by the spirit of the enemy. And let's read 1 Samuel 18, 8 through 8. And this is a little clip out of the story of Saul, King Saul, and David. And so Saul was quickly led astray by the spirit of the, the, the comparison of, of man in this scripture. Verse 8, then this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. If we succumb to the pressure of pleasing other people, that's all Saul could see and think about. And actually, David was the one man that would, would have had his back. He was where he was because of what David had did for him. And, and the man that actually cared about him would have done anything for him. The enemy perverted that relationship and turned it into a comparison, competitive type relationship because Paul wanted to please the people. And I want you to hear me. Y'all, when we cave to the pressure of people in comparisons, we quickly, somebody say quickly, lose the sight of our Father. When we cave into that pressure of comparisons and the pressure of pleasing other people, and all these types of things, we quickly, and I say quickly, lose sight of the Father. Saul was anointed the first king of Israel. He was called by God. He was doing things for the kingdom. And it was, it was allowing that pressure of pleasing man that came in. He allowed it into his life and the enemy perverted that relationship with him and his brother. Now it perverts his relationship with him and God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives to get us to not be led by the Spirit for the purpose of God that I have over my life, but to be driven by the pressure. Now he's living in a place of jealousy, anger. And it begins to snowball after that. And that's why I say we quickly lose sight of the Father because now, now I'm off the beaten path. Now I'm, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of crazy stuff. 
And, and Saul, if you continue to read on the story through First and Second Samuel, you'll see that he began to quickly lose sight of his father. To chase down whatever he was chasing to satisfy himself. Let's read um, Acts 21, 10 through 14. This is uh, uh, Paul again. And so at verse 10, several days later, a man named Agabus, that's a cool name. Somebody say Agabus. See, you can read it. It ain't that hard. Who also had the gift of prophecy arrived from Judea. So we have a man of God. We have a prophet of the Lord, a man who hears clearly from the Lord has arrived. Verse 11, he came over to Paul uh, and took his belt and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and be turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear to me that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. So we have a a picture perfect of how not to do things, the story of of David and King Saul, and a picture perfect uh, story illustration of how to allow the Spirit of God to lead me, y'all. And that's how I know Paul was called the way he was. Because you have a, a prophet, a man of God, who comes and declares uh, something that is going to make me feel pressure because uh, it's going to pressure me to know that I'm going to experience some scary things up ahead. I'm going to experience some things that are going to hurt my flesh up ahead. It may mean that I'm going to have to give my life. And what does Paul do? I believe when Paul got that word, it only reaffirmed and reestablished and cemented his calling in his life even that much more. Because it affirmed that he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. The enemy tried to persuade him and get him off his path, even using the pressure of men. What's all Paul's friends and the people who love and care about him, the other disciples, saying? They're trying to talk him out of the purpose of God in his life. And Paul says, no. Y'all, not only am I willing to go and be jailed, I'm willing to go and die for what I believe in. That's something real. Y'all, our faith has to be that real. When I'm being tempted, when I feel it's getting tough, y'all, and that's the thing that's so backwards. We, We tell ourselves that because it's getting hard, because this does hurt, I am chasing after God, but it's getting harder and it's hurting me, that that can't be from God. Man, and as your pastor, it kind of breaks my heart, but sometimes living for God, he calls us to go the extra mile. Y'all, and it is going to be painful. And sometimes it does get worse, better before it gets better. And so, I mean, Paul had to give his life. So what do you really believe? Do you believe it enough? If it was to come to that, that you could do it. And if not, y'all, we're going to be pushed to the wayside. Being driven by an enemy that hates you. 
driving you to your slaughter. And not only will you die here on earth, uh, Jesus may say, depart from me, I never knew you. And last week we talked about that scripture, uh, and that there's a lot of saved folks that think they're good with Jesus, and, and Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So we need to be led by his purpose. Paul was focused on his purpose instead of being pressured by man. Y'all, if we trade in our purpose because of the pressure that we experience, we lose our calling. If you trade in your purpose for pressure, you lose your calling. Paul was called to write two-thirds of the New Testament and do all the other signs and miracles and wonders that he did. What if he, what if he would have jumped ship and abandoned that purpose of God in his life? Yes, I believe God would have used somebody else. But I believe Paul was the one who was supposed to do it the right, the, the way that it was going to reach so many people. You know, and I can't help but even think, uh, it's so crazy for me to stand up here and still think that I'm a campus pastor. We've been open almost uh, a year now. Uh, and, and it feels more real than it has, but sometimes I have stuff to pinch myself. But I was having this thought, you know, I had a lot of opportunities to succumb to pressures, all sorts of pressures, temptations. Praise God, I'm still on the path that God has for me. But I can't help but think, what if there was somebody else who was called and anointed even more than I am to be the pastor of this church? And it breaks my heart. There might be somebody out there. They just didn't get past that next test, that next trial. They, they allowed pressure to drive them off the purpose of God. Y'all, and we're talking about celebrate recovery and the new seasons that are coming ahead for it in the Sunshine House and, and, and addiction uh, ministry. Y'all, we see it over and over and over again. And it breaks my heart. We have to be cemented, planted, rooted in Christ and in his truth and in his church. Y'all, we can thrive. Amen. But we have to choose. We have to choose him. We can't be persuaded. Let's look at that next point. The second type of pressure that the enemy wants to use against you is this pressure of temptation. This pressure comes from the lust of our flesh and the attacks of the enemy. Y'all, and none of these pressures are, are anything that we're ever going to grow out of. We are going to have to deal with these every day from here on out. As long as you have flesh, as long as you have breath in your body, as long as you have a life, you are going to have to manage and deal with these types of things that we're, we're talking about. And specifically on temptation, man, that's one of the ones that is, 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 is the most real to us because, you know, we do have this fleshly body that has cravings and has desires and and has things that don't necessarily want to line up with the Spirit of God that lives inside of me, right? And so if I allow to, to, to uh, uh, succumb to that pressure of temptation, uh, y'all, it can get bad pretty quick. And, you know, we just come off this fast, and I feel like we've, we've kind of reeled our flesh in a little bit as a church. Uh, but we, to, in order to stay at that place and stay in that, that cultivated place of living a life of sacrifice and a life of, of fasting, prayer, and giving, uh, in order to do that is the only thing I can do to stay at a successful place in that area of my life. 
And the next best thing we can do other than that, living a, a life of sacrifice, is y'all, temptation, nine out of ten times, begins in your mind. It's going to begin with a, with a thought. Y'all, and it's what you do in that moment with that thought that's going to determine whether you're going to succumb to the pressures of temptation or you're going to stand in truth and stand on your purpose, the calling that God has on your life, and you're going to say, no, not today, devil. We have to cast down those, ima those imaginations that set itself up, try to set itself up against the things that God's trying to do in my life. Let's read James 1, 12 through 14. We gave you all this scripture last week, but it's so good, we're going to give it to you again this week. So God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. Did you know that? His love is perfect and pleasing and his will is perfect and pleasing. God is never tempted to do wrong. He is love. Uh, there, sorry to interrupt, but, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes, there it is, from our own evil desires, which entice us and drag us away. It's because of my own evilness, my own evil thoughts. And what I do with those thoughts determines whether or not I'm going to drag and entice myself away from the purpose of God, the calling of God on my life. That's what really does it. We got, I said last week, we've got to stop blaming the devil for our junk. <laughs> if you've already dragged your way and enticed yourself and talked yourself into this, this temptational thought this thing that is probably sin then the devil don't even have to mess with you you've kind of made your mind up that you're going to do this thing y'all and this is so important on why we have to stay firm stay planted stay rooted in christ because y'all talking about people who've, who've given in to the pressures and temptation and, and backslidden and fallen down praise god they can get back up and back into the the, the purpose but y'all some things in this life, once you lose them, you can't get them back. If you succumb to the pressure of, of, of some evil type thoughts, some things like cheating on your spouse, uh, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, whatever it may be, you've lived a life, let's say 30, 40, 50 years of, 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 of building a life of trust and confidence and built up credibility and you're going to succumb to this pressure of temptation, y'all, in a, a two-minute, three-minute, four-minute, five-minute span of, 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 that you think is going to be pleasurable to your flesh, you can throw a whole life away of credibility, trust, all these things that you've spent your life building. And in, in one moment, in one instant, it can be gone. And it may never come back. Yes, God can you, can, you can surrender and ask for forgiveness and he's, he's well and able to forgive you, but the types of relationships that you've broken, only, only God and time can mend. So we need to be set and focused on him so we don't do these crazy things. Or, or I know people deal with addictions and drugs and alcohol. That's the same thing. You can throw it all away. What the enemy does, he wants, to, he wants to entice your flesh. 
But he also wants to entice the fact that maybe if you do this, it's a shortcut to get to where I'm trying to go. If I succumb to this pressure, if I give into this, maybe I can get to where I'm trying to go quicker, get to my happiness quicker. Or we might even tell our th- ourselves things like, I could get to my purpose by cutting corners and doing this quicker. And we're going to be off the beaten path. Let's read Matthew 4, um, 1 through 3, and then we're going to go on and read 5 through 8 there. So here's Jesus, right? He just, just fasted. He's, he's in the desert. And who comes to him but the tempter, right? Then Jesus was led up by, uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Somebody say hungry. Y'all, I know we just come off our own fast, 21 days. But I just want to uh, put this into perspective for us this morning. Uh, and I know it was probably tough for a lot of us, but we got through it, right? But just think, Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. Not in the comfort of your climate-controlled home with windows and TV and internet and cell phone and a stocked full fridge. Even though you couldn't eat what you was fasting from, you could still eat. So when, when, when uh, it says, afterward he was hungry, you better know that he was hungry. Amen? And verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You want to talk about shortcuts. The devil just offered Jesus a shortcut. Yeah, you fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Look at you, the Son of God. I know you're the Son of God. You could turn these stones into bread. Right? Is that how he comes? Kind of meet me, kind of try and meet me at my pride first. Challenge my pride and then challenge me a shortcut. And Jesus says no, right? And he overcomes, and he shows us that he overcomes. Y'all, so that we can know that we can overcome through him. Amen? Jesus saw his purpose. Jesus didn't sell his purpose for some pressure by the little devil. You know, it's big God and little devil. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that. There at verse 5, it says, Then the devil, okay, so Jesus... Jesus uh, smacked him in the face, smacked him around, said, you know, I'm good on that. So he's going to keep coming at him. Then the devil took him up to a holy city, set high in a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall not give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And when he said to him, all these things I will give you if you just fall down and worship me. The devil talking to the Son of God, the Messiah. If you just get on your knees and worship me, this will all be yours. Jesus says, I have it all. I am. I am. But what did the devil do? He tried to even use the word of God, pervert the word of God to tempt Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He used the word of God to stand. So y'all, as, I want you to hear me. As soon as you feel tempted in your mind, in your spirit, in your body, you need to do these things. You need to first begin to pray. Pray. 
then you need to begin to cast down the thought. Not today, devil. This thought didn't come from me. It didn't, it, I don't know where, but not today. You cast it down. Y'all, and you need to find some scripture to stand on. To stand, you need to pray. You need to cast down the thought, and you need to find some scripture to stand on. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And, and, and playing defense, you can only play defense so long. We need some offense, right? The word is the sword of God. It's how we fight back. Shank the devil, like my wife likes to say. I want to shank the devil. Amen. Oh, Lord. Love you, God. Let's look at that next point. This third type of pressure we're going to look at today. The pressure of circumstances. This pressure comes from physical, financial, and relational challenges. Now, we have all sorts of circumstances in our life, right? We're in relationships with all sorts of types of people. We have a job that we're accountable to, that we have to show up to on time, and, and have a job that we have to do exceedingly well, otherwise we're fired. <laughs> uh, you hopefully are connected and plugged into a great, healthy uh, church body. And if you are really seeking and living for the Lord, then you have responsibilities within that church body. And so that means I have circumstantial pressure in my life. And I have to deal with it the way that God tells me I have to deal with it. And if I don't, I sell my, 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 my purpose uh, for, for, the, for the pressure. Amen. So let's look at this next scripture. It's out of Acts also. Uh, this is a scripture you may not be familiar with. And so uh, if you want to go and read the next, maybe Acts 25 through 27, uh, this, this week in your quiet time, and just kind of uh, educate yourself on what's really going on here through time's sake, kind of just took this chunk out. And, and really, we find Paul, he's on this ship with, with uh, a bunch of people going, they're traveling through the ocean, through the sea, and they're trying to get to the next island. God's given him a word. If you all stay on this ship, everything We'll be okay, okay? But what I want us to get out of the scripture is, sometimes it's at the 11th hour. The enemy is, is still going to come, and it's at that 11th hour is where you have to stand firm and stay put as you hold out for that promise of God, that word that he's spoken over your life. And so verse 27, there it is. It says, at midnight on the 14th night of the storm, they've been, they've been in a storm for two weeks at sea. As uh, they were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed that land was near. So they dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found that it was only 90 feet deep. Y'all, that means they're getting closer to land. At this rate, they were afraid we would be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they drew out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, he's reminding them, don't forget what the Lord has said. This is what the Lord told Paul. You will all die unless you sailors stay aboard. They're being driven by pressure and circumstances and other, other people, the fear of what's going to happen. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to die if they don't do this. But God actually says, if you do this, you will die. If you actually do this, you will die. And so the enemy is trying to pervert what God has said. Paul had the word from God. And 
Satan wants to, to use circumstances, storms of life, uh, the fear of shipwreck in our life to cause us to jump ship and abandon what God has spoken to us. Y'all, we do this same thing as we live for God, as like these sailors did. We measure and we gauge spiritual things with, with, my, with my natural eyes and my natural ears, my natural hands. I forget that I'm in this spiritual warfare. And I measure and gauge, oh, this looks like it's going to get pretty bad. We're about to crash on these rocks and die if we don't do this because I've forgotten what God said two, three, four months before what he said. If I stay put, as I hold out, I will answer your prayer. And if I succumb to that pressure, then then I lose, God loses, and, and I forget that I'm in something bigger than myself. I forget that I'm in something bigger than myself. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants us to feel that pressure. Let's go ahead and look at that last point. <clears throat> the thing about pressure. Pressure is not necessarily good, but y'all, there is there is. Good pressure in our lives too. Pressure that draws out the best in me. I was talking about being a, in a performance-based society, and that's bad, but it also can be good because when, when, I'm, when I'm under a certain type of pressure to, to perform at work or uh, in church or whatever it may be, that pressure has the ability, if I surrender it to him, to draw out the best in me. Think about teams. We have the Super Bowl today. We have two uh, teams that are going to go head-to-head, -head, right? They both think that they're, they're going to be the Super Bowl champions. You want to talk about some pressure, all the people watching, but that type of pressure sometimes, it draws the best. The things that they've practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced now just becomes reactory. I'm just reacting by the gifts and callings that I have in, my, in me, and now I can just react and do what God has called me to do. So that point, it says, not all pressure is bad. God uses pressure to refine us, perfect us, and draw out of us the treasures that he's placed within us. But God, see, he doesn't drive us with pressure. He leads us by his spirit. If I see and recognize and identify that pressure in my life, that's okay. It's when that pressure it begins to surmount and I feel like I'm about to do something that I'm not called out that I'm supposed to do, something that I, I, I'm not supposed to do. That's the type of pressure that is driving. God wants to lead us by his spirit and grace to use that pressure for good. And here's the thing. God doesn't say that we'll be exempt from pressure in this life. <laughs> Oh, I wish I could stand up here and tell you, man, once you get saved and accept Jesus, man, your life is going to be gravy from here on out. I would be lying to you. And so he doesn't exempt us from the pressures and trials of life, but he does, he does say that he will equip us to stand. And I can prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Somebody say a way out. 
so that you can endure. Some, some translations say so you can stand up from underneath it. And as I read that, you know what? I can, I can gather some confidence and some feel-goods from that because it says, nothing that is uncommon to mankind. So not only does Ian experience pressure, Ian have to go through stuff, but I can take comfort knowing the fact that y'all have to go through the same stuff that I go through. That makes me feel good. <laughs> because I'm not in it alone, right? Yeah, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is with me. But what I go through is not uncommon to man. If you're going through something tough, man, find somebody to talk to and speak to. Somebody has been or going through what you're going through. And when you've done all you know to do, if you still find yourself, you know, just you don't have Pete, you're frustrated, you know, you, I, we've all been there when your faith, faith is being tested and tried. If you've done you all know to do, the last thing you can do, man, is just stand. You need to stand, stay put, as I keep saying, as you hold out for that promise, that word that God spoke over you. And it may come to the 11th hour, but if you stand and hold out, I promise you, he will bless you. And not only, if I don't want to encourage you just to stand, I want to encourage you to find others to surround yourself with. Not just others, other believers to stand with, to surround yourself with. Because you know what the most dangerous things that there is, is a sheep who has wandered off the path, who's been driven by pressure, who is out in the middle of nowhere, and, and they don't know why or how they got lost, but they're lost and they're alone. If you're a sheep all alone, you're, you're in a dangerous place. You're vulnerable to attacks, from the enemy, there's, there's wolves and coyotes out in the world. Do you know that? Uh, and there's a roaring lion seeking what she can kill, steal, and destroy called the devil who is also out there. So we need to band together. Amen? As a flock. Jesus calls us his sheep. He says, my sheep hear and know my voice. They listen to me and they do what I say. Because he leads us, Right? God uses pressure to perfect us. Can we have the worship team to make your way? So God wants to use that pressure to perfect us and draw out those good things. This last scripture I want to give us, I love this scripture. Uh, I, I, I love Jeremiah. My, my life uh, scripture, my life verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. You hear me say that all the time. But, uh, yep, yep. Life scripture, bros, bro. Uh, but Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, man, I... I this scripture gives me hope. It should give the world hope. Uh, at verse 1, it says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. The Holy Spirit impressed upon Jeremiah and said, O Israel, let me stop there. Do you know whenever you read in the Old Testament, whenever you see the words, O Israel, go ahead and just put your name in there. Israel is God's heartbeat. It was his people. And it's an archetype for God speaking to you because now in the new covenant, you are God's heartbeat. And so go ahead and just put your name there. O Ian. Can I not do, 
uh, as this potter has done to his clay, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so you are in my hands. God, no, no matter if, if we mess it up, uh, we drop the ball. Uh, God forbid I mess up, I get into, off into some crazy sin in my life. It's as easy as the scripture said it. It didn't come out as the, the potter was expecting. He was trying, and you know what did he do? He just, <laughs> start over. God says, just as the, 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 the potter and started over, can I not do the same thing with your life? And the cool thing the Lord showed me on this, uh, the, the twist of this, y'all, what does it take for that, that potter to, to mold and fashion and form and create whatever he's trying to do on that wheel with the clay? Y'all, it takes pressure. You know what? And when I'm on that potter's wheel and God's applying pressure to my life, sometimes it hurts. <laughs> sometimes it's uncomfortable. But I got to know that I'm in the hands of the Father. <laughs> what better place can I be? Mold me, shape me, form me, fashion me any way that you see fit, God. Amen? So not all pressure is bad. Some pressure is from him. Amen. I want to go ahead and ask us as we get ready to close. We're going to enter into a time of one more song of worship before we dismiss. But I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to move into a place of intimate uh, communion with, with God right now. You know what? I feel like the Holy Spirit, just envision yourself in God's hands. <laughs> Whatever you're going through right now, it's in God's hands. And maybe you do need a fresh start over. Man, God can start that. Or maybe you're, you're really doing good and you can see the promise on the other side. You're still in God's hands. He's got you. You're in the hands of the great I am. And so I, want to, I just want to pray over us. I just want to come against the enemy. And what he tries to do is he tries to pervert, pervert what God is doing in our lives. And so, Father God, I just pray a, a, a blessing from heaven over each and every person in this place right now. Holy Spirit, I want you to show them that they are loved, that they are called, that they are uh, forgiven. God, that they have a place in your kingdom. God, and they don't have to do this alone. God, and that, God that they are in your hands. No better place to be. So I, I pray that and I seal that now in Jesus' name.